This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Good morning. You're listening to Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I am editor-at-large and editorial cartoonist at Mississippi Today. Our guest today is most notably recognized from her role as Vicki Steubing, the daughter of Captain Steubing in the hit television series, The Love Boat. But she's very talented as well, and I tell you what, I'm looking forward to this interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it as well. So let's welcome her aboard, actress, radio host at one time. Um, Mom, I'll just pretty cool person jill whelan thanks jill for being on today hey marshall nice to talk to you oh thank you i hope everything's doing well out in california and i appreciate you taking the time and i I hope your ears have been burning because we've been saying nice things about you oh thank you very much i'll take it oh good i know exactly every day a little bit of positivity we'll take it you know i've been following you on social media for a while and i have to admit i was pretty impressed uh you've got a pretty grounded view of life and somehow i just figured oh let's call it Jill, and see if she'll be on the show with us and tell us a little bit about her life, because you've just had an incredibly fascinating life. Oh, well, it definitely has been fun and interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it, the funny thing is, and think about television, it's like uh, probably in a lot of people's minds, you'll forever be like 12, you know, and it's because of the reruns and everything like that. I was kind of surprised you and I are like the same age. We have kids the same age and, and everything else. And I, I really... Have gotten fat, you know. Number one, you know, you were a big part of me growing up because I remember watching you on television. But also, too, I just the way your career has kind of panned out has been very similar to the way mine has been. And so it's been. I wasn't a child actor, mind you, but I was a cartoonist very early on. And so I'm just fascinated by. It. I wanted to get you on today to talk about a little bit when you became a child actor. I mean, when did you think you were going to become an actress, and at what age did that happen? Um, You know, it's not like I made some conscious decision, you know, right, this is what I'm going to do. I just always was playing in front of the mirror and would use anything, a hairbrush, a toilet paper roll as a microphone and do commercials in the bathroom. And um, it it just kind of was an organic movement in in that way. I, um, my mom was a nursery school teacher at the time and she needed some place for me to go in the summer and she knew just a camp was not going to be enough, and it had to be more creative than that. So the only thing that she could think of was a local play that they were doing in our in the next town over from ours. And so I auditioned and got the only speaking role. It was The King and I, and I got the only speaking role of all the little kids. Um, and those kids were doing commercials in San Francisco, and I thought that sounded interesting. So... Um, I asked them how they did it, and they said, you just send your school picture in, and here's the agency that we go to. So I did that, and they called my mother and said, we'd like to see your daughter. And my mother said, well, how do you have our number? Why do you, wh- where did you get this information? They said, well, we have her school picture here. Um, so I had sent my stuff in, uh, I think I was eight, um, to this agency, but my, my folks didn't know it. Um, so my mom made a deal with me. She said, look, I will... I will take you to these auditions, but I will not go in with you. I will wait outside in wow. the minute mm-hmm. that, yeah, she said, the minute that you're not, you know, that you're not having a good time or the minute you get your feelings hurt, we're done. We're not going to do it anymore. So that's kind of how, kind of how it started. And, uh, I just, it, it, you know, and it really was sort of a, uh, on a, uh, on a tangent that, pardon me, if you hear my big white dog bark, he's 
having morning zoomies, by the way. I've seen him on, on Instagram. He's <laughs> quite a good-looking dog. Oh, he is, and he is. He's racing through there. So this is this is my life. My husband works from home, so he's in his office downstairs making a big presentation. <laughs> and I'm upstairs talking to you, trying to keep my dog from barking. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay, back to my... My start. So, um, so I just started doing auditions, and I just things just started happening. It was really, you know, it's one of those things that's just meant to be. Yeah, you, you can't make it happen. You can't force it. It just happens. Yeah, I mean, you were having fun though, weren't you? I mean, it wasn't like because because I remember I, you know, I'm I'm an, I'm an editorial cartoonist when I'm not on the radio, and I remember going to cartoonist conventions, and there was always that dad there with his kid that he was pushing his kid around, saying, "Look how great he is," because he wanted to get the autographs of the other cartoonists, kind of thing. But it sounds like your yeah. one of your secret weapons was the fact that your mom was your mom and not a stage mom, and it seems like there's, that's a big difference. That is, that is absolutely the truth. She was. <laughs> he's growling. Um, she was absolutely a mom, and that was that was the secret sauce that that made this work. I could not have done it. There, you know, you look at all the other kids who were child actors and how they yeah. fared in life, and the ones that there's so many of them whose parents unfortunately got mystified and and um, hypnotized by the power and the money. And I'll give you a perfect example. When I was on my first day of a new set for a series I was doing before Love Boat, the producer came up to my mother and me together and said, listen, if there's anybody on this set that Jill doesn't like, just let us know and we'll have them fired. Wow. And my mother started laughing. My mom started laughing. Yeah. And she looked at the woman and she said, if you ever give my daughter that kind of power again, we will be off of this set faster than the signature on the contract drives. And that's really who she was. She could care less who the producers were. Her daughter was her daughter and her job was as mother. And she, you know, I'm so, that's, I'm convinced she's the reason why I haven't been arrested yet. Well, I mean, number one, I mean, I have to admit, I'm sitting here admiring your mom and also kind of a little bit of afraid of her, too, at the same time. It sounds like she... Oh, my gosh. I'm still afraid of her. But what a wonderful role model, <laughs> too. Is... Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're a mom of two yeah. boys. So, I mean, what a, what a wonderful role model to have that, you know, because I'm sure you were, you know, you probably treated your boy just the same way she treated you. Um, you know, we we do have different parenting styles, but yeah. what I will say is that for for me, in that situation, having her be the parent she was could not have been yeah. better. I was extremely lucky on that lottery ticket to get her as a mom, and you know she's as wonderful as she is as a mother. She's just equally as wonderful as a grandmother, and to watch her with my boys and to watch my boys with her, frankly, is is really wonderful you know she's i'm very lucky i'm very look i mean we all have issues with our parents and, right. and what have you and sure you know is my mom judgmental sometimes of course but uh the one thing i know and i will always know to my bones is how much she loves her family and that trumps everything 
so I consider it a really lucky situation. Yeah, that's huge. That really is. I mean, I, I think about my mom. When I was a little kid, she realized that I really liked to draw. And so it wasn't like she pushed me to drawing lessons or anything like that. But she was an art teacher. But she always gave me crayons and pencils. And it was kind of a way to keep me quiet in church. But, you know, it turned out to be my career <laughs> be, be, because she had that foresight not to make me hate it. And, and to that credit. So you're doing commercials right. at this point, And... Is is that that's what started first? The movie Airplane was that before television, or was that? I mean, how did you end up doing that movie? Which, by the way, uh, that you posted a meme the other day of that moment when you started croaking, um, which was pretty funny. Yeah. I got to admit, um, that was some really pretty sh- sharp acting on your part as a probably eight year old at the time. But how did you get that role, <laughs> and what was that like? Because I mean, there were so many famous people in that movie. Um, which is, I guess, kind of a precursor for what you ended up doing for the next few years on the love boat. Yeah, it was, it all happened kind of, it all converged sort of at the same time. It it really was. It was get this job, boom, next job, boom, next job, boom. Um, And that particular audition, I walked into the executive producer, Howard Koch's office on Paramount lot. And I just, you know, he had these incredible big gold doors and I was so impressed and uh, he just had me come in he said uh, I think I read the lines and then he said make a funny face and I made the face I made and that was it that's how I got that part Oh, that's great. And so here you are, you're on with Leave It to Beaver's Mother, Barbara Billingsley, you know, yeah. I mean, just the, the, the cast and character. And the funny thing about that movie is, and I watched it, oh, about a year ago, I think. It's still hilarious today. It has aged so well. It's, it is. It's still very, it's, yeah. I finally let my 16-year-old watch it, but... Oh, you're a much better mom than, a- I, than I am, because, I mean, I let my kids watch Monty Python when they were 10, so I'm apparently a terrible parent, but... So they, they Oh no, I can trump you on that. I can trump you on that. I did something terrible. I it's my worst well, I'm going to say one of my worst parenting moments. Many years ago, I was very naive. I loved Steve Carell from The Office and I thought, "Oh, he's got a new movie coming out called 40-Year-Old Virgin. Let me take my let me take my 9-year-old." Oh, you're kidding me. No, and I sat down with him <laughs> and after, like, the first couple of minutes of covering his eyes and his ears, I realized what a terrible mistake I'd made, and I made him leave. See, so you didn't have to give him the talk. So, That's what worked out really well on that. Um, I did that with mine taking him down Bourbon well, Street once. So, yeah, I completely understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was not one of my shining moments. But, but they, they're, they don't hold it against you or anything, so that, that worked out okay, I suppose. No, he hasn't had too much therapy since. Okay, well, that worked out great. <laughs> You know, you were like you mentioned. You were on that other television show, and there is this great thing on the internet. I don't. I guess I think you saw it. I posted it where somebody has literally stripped every guest from the Love Boat together in order, with the theme song playing over and over. And believe me, after about the fourth time, that song is not exciting or new. It just goes on and on. But the, the no, thing, it- it's forty-three minutes long. That's how many guests were on the Love Boat. And what surprised me was at the very end of that, you were one of the guests. So you weren't originally on there as a series regular, were you? No, my first, I was doing my other series called Friends, um, which was obviously not the Friends that everybody knows today, or I would drive a much nicer car. But um, the, uh, the 
one of the nice things that Aaron Spelling always did is that he would take his corral of actors. Aaron Spelling produced The Love Boat. Um, he would take his corral of actors and he would circulate them on his other shows. So they'd be on Charlie's Angels or they would be on um, Fantasy Island or they'd be on Dynasty or Hotel or whatever. And likewise, they did the same with The Love Boat. And so I was on this new pilot and he asked me to come and do a guest spot on Love Boat. But I had a series to go back to, which is why I was a guest and not all of a sudden just a okay. new co-star. And um, when my series was not picked up, he called and said, would you like to come back and um, play on the love boat for the remainder of the series? We got so many letters about the relationship and, and the chemistry between you and Gavin McLeod. We'd like to bring you back. And that's how it happened. I mean, it was so, again, that sort of trajectory that you can't, you, you could never manufacture. It's just. You did. The way things were supposed to go. I guess. Right, right. I mean, well, the thing is, though, you did have that chemistry with him, and 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 that I think that's cool that they recognize that instantly. Say, no, we need to keep her around a little bit. He, he's a pretty amazing man. Um, I just, I mean, I've seen several videos with him doing interviews and everything, and you were incredibly. He was like your second dad, wasn't he? He he really, really was. Um, and I'm, you know, we just lost him not too long ago, and. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to eulogize him with his kids. And, and he's just, you know, he really was like a dad to me and so full of life and so gracious and so grateful and so spiritual. I mean, there's just, he's really was an incredible human being, full of humility, so many incredible experiences and such an amazing actor. You know, people obviously think about him from Mary Tyler Moore and from Love Boat, but the other things that he's done, Broadway, all the shows, he was just such an amazing man with an incredible body of work and so talented. Uh, you know, so, yeah, he, he did have a big heart. And like I said, when, when I saw that he passed away, I mean, I actually shot a tweet to you because I was thinking, I was like, oh, that, that's got to hurt because it was almost like you were losing a parent as well. But that said, yeah. I love watching interviews. And when y'all were getting back together as a, as a cast, I think for the 40th anniversary, it, the chemistry of mm -hmm. everybody, I mean, you could still tell that you actually all cared for each other very, very much. And, I mean, I know you're actors, but if that was acting, you should have gotten an Oscar, an Emmy, and maybe a couple Tonys <laughs> for that. Because y'all really do, honestly, it seems like you loved each other. And it was just fun to watch you get back together. We really, really do. I, You know, we talk all the time. I just talked to uh, Lauren Tweez, I think, two days ago. Um, Ted Lange and I are extremely close. I mean, we're all, yeah. we're all close. Somebody had uh, tried to impersonate Lauren Tweez and <laughs> called Bernie Coppell to see if he could get some money. And, and Bernie immediately called her and said, were you in an accident? What was that about? <laughs> and she's like, what are you talking about, Bernie? Well, I just talked to you, and you said you were in an accident. No, I'm not. And so, if, you know, that's how close we all are. Even even in the case of identity theft, we're close. <laughs> <laughs> probably a good thing. It probably saved him a little bit of money, too, than in case of paying off somebody trying to con him. Uh, he was in the Navy, Thank too. That, that, he was in the Navy, too. As like I said, he, yeah, just an amazing career in his part, too. Um, how many years were you on the love boat? I was trying to trying to remember, because I remember... I was in high school and you were still on there, so you were probably on there till you were about nineteen, right? Yep. 
I was all told nine to nineteen if we include the guest starring part. Wow! And uh, the yeah, yeah. So uh, I came on at the um, end of the uh, second season, I think. So yeah, what it was, was a, a it, great run, so to speak? Oh, that wasn't that's an amazing run for a television series. I mean, if you get past six or seven years, that's like. You know, you're you're in reruns forever and ever, and to make it that many years, what was it like being on set? I mean, because, and I was thinking about this, you literally have met probably every um, famous actor in the past, and a lot of them that are that were in the future, like Tom Hanks being on board and stuff like that. When you were on there, did you actually yeah. get to in, interact with many of the guests and so forth? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we, 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 and especially on the cruises, because back then the ships were much smaller. So it was three or 500 passengers. So it was a much more intimate situation. And um, it, it, the actors that came on board, we all became close. And that's kind of why we as a cast are, are still so close. When you put, you know, 100 people together that travel together for 10 years, in small spaces, on ships and in countries, some of them are extremely friendly. Some of them are a little bit more daunting. We all have to trust and be close to each other. It's, you know, you get you get close, and even the guest stars, the same thing. We, we you know, had some great relationships. Some of them I'm still super close with. Um, one of them is uh, Glenn Scarpelli, who was on One Day at a Time. Uh, he and Mackenzie Phillips I'm close with, and uh, God, so, so many. Uh, Mary McDonough from the Waltons, I'm still very close with. I was pen pals with Ethel Merman. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. We had uh, Andy Warhol was on the love boat, which is just so funny. But um, he, when I was in New York, I was shopping and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and asked if, if I was Jill Whelan. And I said, yes. And they said, well, I work for Andy Warhol. And if Andy knew you were here, he would want me to invite you to the factory do you have time to come down here today? <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, yeah. That is like. So I went to the factory. No, and he took me around, took Polaroid pictures. We hung out. Could not have been sweeter. So, so I hope, I yeah. hope you're going to write a book. I really do. <laughs> I, 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 I want to do that. I just, you know life gets in the way well yeah you've been a little busy i mean a couple kids and so forth and we'll touch on that in just a minute we're going to take a quick break right now when we return we're going to continue speaking with incredibly talented actors i hope you're enjoying this so far i know i am jill whelan if you have any questions for her if you'd like to call it's 877-MPB-RING that's 877-672-7464 stay tuned there's more on the way this is now you're talking on mpb think radio I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing a doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey of Mississippi Today. If you're just tuning in, you can probably tell by the music, which is pretty kind of cool. We're talking with actress Jill Whelan, who played Vicki Steubing, the daughter of Captain Steubing, in the hit television series The Love Boat, and a whole lot more, too. We're going to touch on just that in just a minute, Jill. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Good to be with you. Yeah, I've, I, I, you know, doing my research for the show, I got into the rabbit hole of going down the YouTube videos and everything. Really did enjoy some of your interviews and, and hearing about your life a little bit. So you're you're literally you grew up on a set, um, which and I was going to ask you when you're doing that, did you like do schooling on the set or how did that work for you to actually get your school in while working, you know, however many zillion hours a week you're having to work? Uh, I did go to school on the set, but I also was enrolled in a, in a regular school oh, wow. as well. Okay. So one of the good things that my mom did was try to create as much normalcy as you possibly could. So on the days that I, maybe if I was working just in one scene in the morning, she would immediately take me to school and I'd finish out the day at my school or... Um, if I didn't have to work until the afternoon, she would have me at school and then I would go. And on the days when I had a full enough schedule that I had to just be on the set all day, uh, there's laws that require you to do a certain amount of schooling on the set. So I had a tutor all the time, which was great and not great. Cause if I didn't study for something, <laughs> I was the only one in the classroom to answer or not answer questions. Oh, wow. You know, and sometimes, I mean, it it was hard because I had a script to learn and I had school to do. And so sometimes I can, there were times when I was in my little classroom on the set and I would kind of fall asleep. Oh, so yeah, it, th- was, it was tough sometimes. I, I could imagine. I mean, like I said, the pressure of having to be the only one in class would probably, that, that, I mean, I think I've had nightmares about that before. So I couldn't imagine doing that. Would you, you know, it's, I think I was probably... I don't know, 12 before I figured out it wasn't on the boat all the time. But you you mentioned before that – actually, no, I was probably 35 before I figured that out. But anyway, I, rem- <laughs> I remember a certain point. Y- y'all would take those cruises every year on the show. What was that like? Because I mean, like you said, the boats were a lot smaller back then. In fact, boats were more boats now. The ships are – and we'll get you to talk about that because you, you have a great relationship with Princess to this day. But the ships back then were more ships and stuff. So what was it like being a teenager going on cruises for work? That had to be – because I went on a cruise as a teenager, but that wasn't for work. And I, I can't uh, – statute of limitations, I can't really say what I did on that cruise. But um, <laughs> God, that had to be fun. But what was it like? It was an absolute blast. It really, really was. You know, I, yeah, we worked hard, and, and it, it, but it was just – that's how I saw the world was getting to be fortunate enough to be included in this cast of and crew of amazing people. And we had opportunities that were life changing and special memories forever. It it was incredible. Um, And yeah, I had to go to school on the ship too. And that was the only thing that wasn't so fun is it would be a beautiful sunny day and everybody would be up either working or there everybody was allowed to bring a guest with them and the guests my guests would up be up at the pool having fun and i would be you know slogging away doing my schoolwork. so that part wasn't fun but i mean come on to have a classroom on a cruise ship while you're waiting to go to china when i was when we were in china 
at the Great Wall. I was sitting on the Great Wall while I was studying about it with the book in my oh, hand wow. for school. Yeah. You know, I, I was doing, uh, I was studying ancient Egypt while I was at the Temple of Karnak. So I've got nothing to complain about. It was a spectacular time. Uh, I was extremely lucky, and um, I'm grateful for it every day. Yeah, I mean, not only you got to go see the world and do all these great things, but you also, like you said, you worked with incredibly good people the whole time, which probably helped you in the whole not becoming a stereotypical child actor, too, because I think I, I would imagine any one of the cast members probably would have cracked down on you if you'd have done anything too wrong. Well, you know, thank goodness we had Gavin and Bernie, before I got to the show, when they went on the set for the first day, they... They were the senior members, and they said to all the other cast members, look, this is our home, and we are not the stars. The guest stars are the stars. Oh, wow. When they come, we welcome them into our home, onto our set. And they really kept the, the, the focus and the energy at a really healthy level, um, narcissism was really not allowed which is great yeah um and that's just kind of how it was but to be honest i know a lot of child actors who worked with some incredible adult actors who had a way different experience and feeling of um entitlement and what have you to be honest it really is attributed to my mom it really is she just was fearless as a protector of her child and her child's morals and her child's memories and uh, actions and responsibilities. So, you know, I'm grateful to her for that. Yeah, it really does. um, She really does sound like she wore a cape and could probably fly. Um, That's definitely a superhero because like i said I mean, I, I would, I, I try to put myself in her position. If one of my kids, it would, you know, I guess you love your kid and you want to make sure they're safe. And that's the main thing. But I could see how the Hollywood thing would probably get stars in your eyes very quickly. Yeah. And I mean, there's no reason why it shouldn't have with her. She was from a small town herself. She was married at 19. You know, yeah. she had three kids. My my dad was a construction. He, he was a contractor, general contractor. She was a nursery school, preschool director. You know, there was no reason why she shouldn't have been enticed by all of the craziness that Hollywood has to offer. But she, you know, she had an incredible, still does, moral compass, an incredible um, respect for right and wrong. And, uh, you know, I, I was very lucky that way. You moved from San Francisco area down to Los Angeles for the show, obviously. Of course, you mentioned you had siblings. Um, how did how did that affect them, and, and what do they do to this day? Uh, before we agreed to do any of the first shows or commercials or what have you, we had a family discussion about it. And they're asking her, Jill, to do a series. What do we think about it as a family? This is going to change our lives. And my brother and my sister said to my mom, we have to let her do it because if we don't, she'll wonder for the rest of her life. And so it really was a family decision. I mean, I can't imagine it. It had to be hard for my sister and, you know, my brother is a boy, so it's different. And my sister's older. So, it, it, you know, she and I have an extremely close relationship. But my sister is also a spectacular human being. Um, I don't know if other siblings would have handled it as well as she did. But she was and is also still to this day 
gracious and loving and sweet and giving and um, incredibly tolerant of of the career path that I that I chose. Um, she lives on the East Coast. My brother lives here. He became a cameraman. My brother's also an artist, by the way. My oh wow! Uh, yeah, he's a phenomenal artist as well. And um, but he ended up making a career as a cameraman, and he works to this day here in L.A. and does commercials and movies and TV shows and all oh. kinds of stuff. So. So they're good. They're good. Jill, that's awesome. I mean, it really is. I mean, props to your parents, really. I mean, because that's you get three kids like that. That's fantastic. Um, you, you mentioned one more question about the love boat. I mean, I could probably ask you a million on that because, unfortunately, I I sat home a lot on Saturday night, so I did get to watch the show a lot. Charo, she never aged. What was it with her? Did she, like, drink formaldehyde, or what was it? How did she manage to stay the same for all those years and all that energy? She just was incredible to watch her. You know, she just was like a ball of fire every time you saw her on TV. You know, she still is, and she's an inspiration to me. You know, sometimes when I sit down, I'm I'm 55, and sometimes I'll sit down, and, and when I stand up, I you know, I grunt. Uh, and I think about her. She's. You know, I'm not going to say how old she is, but she's significantly older than I am, and she is truly uh, 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 unbelievably amazing. It's, um, and she's also amazing on the inside. She is smart as a whip. She's the number uh, two flamenco guitarist in the world still. Still. Practices four hours every day. Still. Practices for four hours every day. And she is... Sweet and loving and caring and funny as can be. So, you know, I think she and her sister both don't age. And I think it's just a genuine love for life. You know, I think I think that's what they just love life so much. And she takes extremely good care of herself. She doesn't really drink very often. She doesn't eat meat very often. Um, she works out. So, you know, she, she does all the things you're supposed to do. And then on top of that, I think she's sprinkled with a little bit of extra something special. Yeah, Jill, I'm right there with you on the age thing. So it sounds I've been taking notes on that. I practice guitar four hours a day, work out, and try to avoid alcohol. So I've, I'm taking some tips there on that. 19, the show comes to an end. I mean, that was rude of them to cancel it. I guess it everything runs its run, and that was a good run. But here you are, 19, and because you know, I remember when I was 19, I was like, I had no, I was in college, but I had no idea what I was going to do. And you probably didn't, I mean, what was that like? Because you're, you're kind of like, one day you can't go to the set. Right. Um, you know, it was an adjustment period. It really was, because I'd been working steadily every day for, since I was uh, eight years old. And then I, did, what am I going to do now? Because I just, I wanted a break. I just needed a break. Yeah. And, in, and in Hollywood, you're only as good as your last job. And you never know when your last job will be your last job. So if there's a, an incredible amount of pressure, and I just wasn't ready to deal with that kind of pressure. So I actually uh, went to college, and part of my college time I spent in, in college in England and then moved to New York because I came back to Los Angeles and said, no, I'm just not ready to, to do this right now. And I moved to New York. I knew one person. She worked at Madison Square Garden. And she said, you know, if you really want to empower yourself in this business, you should learn the other side of it. 
And so I started working for her as a runner at Madison Square Garden for uh, concerts. And the year before, Stephanie Mills was my co-star on Love Boat. And now this year, I am bringing prescriptions to her dressing room. Oh, wow. But, you know, I didn't care because I, I, for me, it was about learning and about empowering myself for the future in this business and learning as much as I possibly could. Um, And so it was great. I ended up creating a position for myself at Madison Square Garden at the time. Um, That's when they started doing television productions there. They did, um, I think, 15 days of Harry Connick. Uh, that they filmed. They did the same with Cher, and then they started producing the ESPY Awards and the Essence Awards. And none of them had the knowledge of rules for unions on television. They knew them for for stage, but they didn't know them for unions. I did, because I just grew up with them. So it created a job for me there as a production liaison between the productions. And, and so that was a really a fun time. To learn all of that stuff and live in New York, it was, it was an awesome time. But then I met my first future ex-husband, <laughs> and, um, who was, uh, I can say it now because he's passed, but I never wanted to say that um, yeah. out of respect for my son. Um, but he was not a good guy. He was a really bad guy. He went through all my love boat money. Oh, no. And, yep, and... Uh, I was only married to him for a year. He never saw my son after he was one years old. My son is 26 now. Um, the man passed away last year. Um, and, you know, I, I found myself in a position I'd never been in before, which was I needed to now financially survive and take care of a child. Um, I was back in Los Angeles because I needed my family support as a single mom of an infant. And um, I started to work in television news. I thought, well, let me just see what that feels like. So I started working in television news. I started off answering phones at the assignment desk, moved up to assignment editor, and then moved over to investigative producing. And um, then in the midst of that, I met my <laughs> future second ex-husband, uh, moved back to the East Coast. He was from Princeton, New Jersey. Um, we had our son, Grant, and um, that marriage didn't work out out of respect for my son. I'm not going to go into why, but it didn't. And so we, uh, we parted ways, and I came back to Los Angeles and started doing a podcast with a dear friend who had a radio show in Los Angeles for 25 years called the Mark and Brian show. Um, the only show Howard Stern couldn't topple. Oh, wow. And, and so when uh, Mark decided that he wanted to retire, he didn't want to do the show anymore. Brian called me and said, Hey, will you take Mark's place? I said, absolutely. So we were all set to start at KLOS here in Los Angeles. And the night before, Brian took me by the shoulders and said, you know what, I can't do this. I can't wake up at 3 a.m. anymore. I'm tired of it. I've done it for 25 years. Please don't make me do this. <laughs> and I said, man, this is your show. I, I'm just here for the ride. I, I'm, 
let's not do it then. Let's do it a different way. So we decided to do a podcast, which we had much more control over. Um, and and so that's kind of how, how the podcast started with Brian, and it was great. We had a blast. Um, I don't think Brian had, had enough time off, and so after a year, we just decided uh, not to do it anymore. Um, but it was great. We had such a great time. It was number one on Apple iTunes, and um, we had a ball doing it. Great fun. And then <clears throat> at that point, I think I had spent enough time away from the business and enough time to mature as an adult and have my own experiences that were exclusive of Hollywood that I was ready to come back and, and, and see what, what I could do. So that's what I did. I got an agent, I got a manager, and I started working. Um, did a lot of episodics and soap operas, things like that. Um, and then a couple years ago, my writing partner and dear friend and I produced a pilot called Take It From The Top, which is loosely based on my life, that we shot with an all-female production crew, uh, all-female investors and writers, my partner and I, and the only male on the crew was Ted Lange, who was our director. And uh, it ha had some great success, won some awards, and that's been wonderful. And I've just been writing and producing and uh, doing episodic shows and raising my kids and working for Princess Cruises. So that's where we are today. Yeah, I was glad to see that, that you know, you're, you're back as an ambassador now. It seems like you're having a lot of fun with that, um, getting to do that. And I loved how they, they like, brought back Gavin when he was alive and back, obviously, doing that. Because, he you know, you'd see the videos and it looked like he was just eating it up, getting to meet the people. But I know you enjoy that, too, getting to meet all the folks on the cruise ships. It's really wonderful. I, you know, it's such a blessing to be able to have been on a show that brings people such happy memories that connected their families together. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that we hear more than anything else when people reminisce about watching the show. The most common thing is, oh my gosh, that's the only show that I could watch with my grandparents that we both loved. I used to sit on my grandmother's lap and we would watch Love Boat together. And this is a really a kind of a cute story. I'm very good friends with Peggy Lee's granddaughter, the singer, because mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm also a singer, so I've met her through the cabaret world and what have you. And she said that she and her grandmother, Peggy Lee, used to sit together and watch Love Boat all the time, and it was one of her most special memories. And so it's, it's just such a blessing to have that in, in, in your life. It's really wonderful. I, th I think the thing I love about your story is, like I said, you, you started out obviously with a home run. I mean, getting to be on a major television show, getting to see the world and everything else when you're young, you hit a few road bumps along the way, but you've had these incredible seasons of your life, and you're now into a new one. Your your boys are older. I mean, I think our kids are very close to the same age, and I know you know, suddenly you have a little bit more time, and you can go do things. You've remarried. You've got a really cool husband. Um, it seems like you're in a very good Goodbye, place. Yeah, and it's like you're in a very good place right now, and I, I just think that's kind of a neat story to see, and, and a lot of people probably need to hear that story, that even though things, you know, like me, I mean, I had a cartoonist dream job at a newspaper, and then the newspaper started laying everybody off, and so I had to reinvent myself, but you've reinvented yourself, and it's yep. it's really cool, and um, 
I, I also, and the fact that you can sing also kind of impresses me too, but needless to say. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of one I wanted to get you on the show because, I mean, like I said, I follow you on Twitter. I've, I've really been impressed with, you know, what you put out there in, in that front too. But um, I just appreciate you being able to come on and, and tell us a little bit about your life. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and I thank you. And I, as you obviously know, I follow you on Twitter too. And I love all your morning walk therapy walk pictures and <laughs> I know everybody's like I think no everybody kind of, I think we had some surgeries. What's that? Yeah, no, yeah, I did. I had I decided to age myself about forty years last year by having back surgery. It was great because I ran a marathon and then you know a year later I'm having back surgery. So uh, that whole thing about getting older, I need to obviously follow Charo's plan, and uh, I'll be a lot better off on that. So what's next for you? Uh, well, at the moment, uh, I am the, the thing that's happening the quickest is we're getting ready to do the naming ceremony on April 29th for the new Discovery Princess. Oh, great. So that's happening. So we're working on all of those details now. I have some other things that I wish I could tell you about, but I can't tell you about. Oh, come that on. Are, uh, also, I know. I know. <laughs> I wish I could. But let's just say that they're looking very promising, and um, it's a series that we're working on, and, you know, Good. fingers crossed, because I think I think it'll be really exciting. Yeah. So, um, and I would be executive producing that. So, so that's kind of, you know, lots is going on, supporting my kids, watching my husband, uh, yeah. taking care of him and our puppies, and, um, and my folks. That's it. Jill, I'll be really honest with you. You know darn well that your dogs rule your life. They, oh, my God, they totally do. They totally do. And they're, you know, uh, they they bring such joy to us. But, my goodness, they are like other children. I know. It's so funny when they were barking earlier and running around a little bit. I think everybody probably just not. Anybody's had to deal with Zoom for the last two years. I know my dog literally <laughs> will come into the room when I'm on Zoom just so that she can get on camera. So it's like we, we found out that our yep. our animals are narcissists. <laughs> yep. Oh, without a doubt. And I have an older girl who's 13. She's got care. Jill, we've run. Jill, we've run out of time. I hate that. I've enjoyed this so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's lovely to talk to you and hear your voice connected with your social media. Oh, thanks. I'm glad it didn't, you know, didn't disappoint too much. So anyway, you've been great. <laughs> thank you, and and hopefully we'll talk again some other point. So, but anyway, thanks. I want to thank you for listening today, and I thank our guest Jill Whelan for sharing her incredible story with us today. If you'd like to hear the show again or any past episodes, you can listen to our podcast. At or on your favorite podcast app or MPB public media app. Now you're talking production of MPB Think Radio is produced today by Java Chapman. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Josie Bidwell. Join us next week at 10 a.m. for another great conversation here on MPB Think Radio. Y'all have a great week.